According to insurancejournal.com, approximately one in eight businesses will be sued by an employee each year. So what are the odds for you if you're in business for eight years or more? And what do we do to keep our businesses safe? Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So imagine you're sued by an employee. What does that look like? So the cost, we can talk about that, of course. That's a pretty obvious part of the whole the whole thing. Uh, according to EEOC data, the average out-of-court settlement for employee discrimination claims, it's about $40,000. But up to $100,000 is well within the quote-unquote normal range. And studies of verdicts have shown that about 10% of wrongful termination suits result in a verdict of $1 million or more. Now, none of those numbers include attorney's fees, of course. That's just what the plaintiff would receive. Um, attorney's fees, no doubt, would run into the tens of millions or tens of thousands, I would, I would imagine. Um, but let's forget about the cost for a minute. So if you get sued by an employee or a former employee, what, what do we think is going to happen? Uh, there's going to be attorneys involved. There's going to be people coming into your business, asking all kinds of questions, asking for all of your documents. Um, everything from your bylaws or operating agreement to your buy-sell agreement to your employee handbook, uh, all your policies and procedures, like everything you have um, is going to be asked for. Um, anything you have that's a requirement that does not have documentation, well, they will be paying especially close attention to that. There's no question. Um, your team is going to be interviewed by the plaintiff's counsel. Um, now, let me just ask you, do you think that those... Interviews are going to be approached uh, from a position assuming that you're innocent or assuming that you're guilty. Um, I have a pretty strong opinion about that. I haven't gone through this um, personally, but I know some folks that have. And and um, one particular gentleman uh, who owned a, a business that had probably about 80 employees um, told me they just fly to assume that you're guilty. And pretty soon your team is starting to, even your most loyal employees will start wondering, um, Maybe they are some shenanigans. Maybe they are uh, taking advantage of people. Maybe they are out to hurt folks and be greedy and, and whatever. Um, and that can go on for weeks. It can go on for months. Um, the process is grueling. Um, and then what are the costs of the distraction? You know, um, you can't focus on growing your business. You can't focus on the normal things you would pay attention to because you have this massive distraction going on. Um, that takes a lot of time. Uh, tremendous amount of stress and worry, of course. Um, and then your day-to-day operations is just, they're going to suffer because you only have so many hours in a day. You can't, you just can't do all of it. You're going to have to focus on that and and you're going to have to, um, you know, take that time away from somewhere, which is going to be the day-to-day operations. And then again, how does it, how does this affect your culture? Like, how do you, um, 
this is a traumatic experience. How do you recover from that? How do you, uh, how do you get back to quote unquote business as usual? So this is stuff that is, is, uh, things we don't like to think about, uh, for sure. If we thought about this kind of stuff, um, we probably would, uh, um, be nervous about even being in business. Honestly, uh, if we really let ourselves get, get, uh, uh, consumed by the, the, the risks and liability involved. So I get it. We don't want to think about this stuff, but on the other hand, we don't want to be silly and overlook obvious liabilities either. So, um, there's a few things I would recommend. The first is if you don't have it already, get employment practices insurance. And if you have it already and you haven't looked at the, um, the coverages and, and things like that with your broker in a couple of years, then, then look it over. Um, there's some policies that are fantastic and there's some policies that aren't so fantastic like any insurance product. But what the employment practices insurance does is it cover, it provides funds to cover um, money, which might be owed through a, a lost lawsuit or an out of court settlement. So obviously you have a pool of funds there, just like you would in a vehicle accident or some other kind of um, liability that would happen. Uh, and they provide money for that. So um, in my, in my experience, the costs associated with it um, are very reasonable compared to the coverage you get. Um, so I think, I think the employment practices insurance is one of the first things that should be done. Um, pretty um, kind of a no brainer kind of a thing. If you're going to have employees, you might as well have the insurance. Um, the other thing it does is, it, is many of these policies provide attorneys uh, who will help you fight it. So if you get sued by an employee or former employee, they have a bank of attorneys that that do this stuff, and and they may help you. Um, and again, it depends on the coverage. Sometimes they provide that as part of the policy. Sometimes it's a, it's a discounted rate. Sometimes it's just here's some people we recommend. Uh, you'll have to figure that out with your insurance broker. But in any case. It gives you access to these folks that you may not have access to otherwise. And the third thing it does, which might be um, as important as the first one, uh, you know, of course, they give you the money to pay if, if, you, if you lose, but they also provide experts who can help you avoid these situations. So if you have a real-time situation with an employee that, you know, you have a long-term employee who just does something that's completely like a massive blunder, you know, they violate some kind of harassment policy or something like that. And you're in a sticky situation where you don't really know what to do because you have a long-term employee who's not really done anything before, let's say in this instance, and they do something that's really bad. Um, how do you handle that? Like, we don't always know. We don't always know what the rules are. We don't always know what the laws are. And they, this, um, these coverages often um, provide people who can walk you through that. So there's three things that that insurance provides. Uh, again, I'm not affiliated with any kind of insurance company, obviously, but um, in my mind, that's a, that's a pretty... Um, um, automatic kind of insurance policy I would want to have if, if you have employees. The next thing I'd recommend is developing a relationship with an attorney. Um, and depending on your situation, maybe even a labor attorney. So if you have a handful of employees, just a regular business attorney might be okay. Uh, if you have, you know, you have a handful of employees and none of them are, are seemingly problematic or whatever, you, you might be comfortable just dealing with a regular business attorney. If you have more than 15 employees, though, I would say you probably want to establish a relationship with a labor attorney. Um, and again, it's going to be twice as much as a regular attorney, just like a neurosurgeon is twice as much probably, or three times as much as your general family doctor. Um, but if you need brain surgery, there's no question which one you want operating on your head. Right. Um, and it's kind of the same thing with a labor attorney versus a general attorney. Um, 
if they're specialized, they have a deeper knowledge and, and they're going to be able to help you through situations that a, a general attorney may not be able to. And it, I really think it's important for attorneys in general and other, you know, we talked about key advisors before bankers and CPAs all fall in this category also, but for labor attorneys specifically, um, it's important to have a relationship with folks before you need them. Uh, for attorneys specifically, we got to make sure that their values align with ours. We got to make sure that their priorities align with ours. We got to make sure we trust their decision-making. We got to understand like where they're coming from, like how they go about making decisions um, so, because we're going to have to trust them implicitly in some of these situations. So I wouldn't want to figure that out on the fly in the midst of a court case or a lawsuit or something like that. That's just not where I would want to figure that out. So um, definitely establish a relationship with a, an attorney um, if you don't have a regular attorney you deal with, and let's say you started your business with LegalZoom and now you use, you know, um, a company like uh, uh, LegalZoom for, you know, employee handbooks or whatever, establish a relationship with a, with a local attorney who can help you through real life situations as they happen. It might cost you 500 bucks here and there to call them and ask questions, um, but that's a lot cheaper than paying forty dollars to $100,000 for a lawsuit or a settlement out of court. Um, and it'll educate you. You can learn how to get out in front of things. You don't face these same problems over and over and over again. You don't get that knowledge. Uh, you don't build that knowledge by just being reactive all the time. Um, so once you have the employment practices insurance and once you have a relationship with an attorney, uh, there's going to be times where things come up where you don't need to get an attorney involved. You can you can handle it yourself, or at least you're, you're hoping you can handle some of this stuff. And people have asked me, you know, what what's the process for handling these things? And I kind of break it down into kind of a three-step process. And that is identify what's the law that applies. What's the law say we're supposed to do in this case? The next thing is what's our policy say we will do in this case? And if neither one of those are things we know or can figure out, then what is the precedent we're going to set by whatever decision we're going to make? So if you have a situation with an employee where they do something that is, again, uh, I'll use the example of a long-term employee who uh, does something that's just completely crazy and violates a really serious policy, like a harassment policy or something like that. Um, what do you do? Well, the first thing we have to do is figure out what's the law say we have to do, because we don't have a choice on that. So if we, if we, and if we don't know what the law says, then our, our obligation is to go figure out what the law says. And that may be where we call the attorney. We're not necessarily going to know where to go find this stuff. So we may call the attorney. Um, but nothing else matters if we're violating the law. So the first thing we absolutely have to do is know that we are operating within the guidelines of the law. Uh, the second thing is, what's our policy say? Now, if we don't have a policy on this, just understand you're already in, in trouble. Like if you don't have a policy that, it, that addresses whatever it is you're dealing with, um, just be aware that if it's not written down in many jurisdictions, it, it doesn't exist. Uh, there's no such thing as a verbal policy in most jurisdictions across the United States, at least anyway. Um, for most places, if you have an expectation that an employee do something or not do something, it has to be written and it has to be acknowledged by them. You know, they have to have seen it in the employee handbook or had the opportunity to see it in the handbook and sign that they sign a document somewhere that says they received this information. Um, you can't have an expect you, you cannot in the eyes of law in most jurisdictions have an expectation that your employee come to work every day. If you don't in fact tell them they have to come to work every day, um, even simple things like that, attendance, just basic stuff like that. If you don't have a written policy and something goes sideways and you have a, a major problem with an employee, 
if you don't have a policy on it, you're in trouble. Um, so just keep that in mind as you're, as you're growing your business and you're, you're, you're hiring more employees, uh, you may start out and have a handbook that's only four pages. Um, by the time you have 50 employees, it'll probably be 35 pages because you just, you encounter things. And as you grow, you just have to cover, um, more potential, um, liabilities. And then the third one is, uh, whether or not you have a policy in play, or if, if you don't have a policy in place, what is the precedent we're going to set? So let's, a, a situation comes up where you don't have a policy in place. You have to make a decision here. This is going to set a precedent for how we handle this from now on. So if we didn't have a policy in place and we're like, okay, well, we're going to make this, make a note of this. And next year, we're going to make sure we add this to our employee handbook. We still have to make a decision today. And we just have to be aware of what's the precedent this is going to set. Because whatever we do today, unless we have a very convincing reason to do something different next time, we basically have to do the same thing next time. So if you allow an employee to deviate from a policy, if you allow an employee to, um, you know, behave in a certain way, or you give them a warning, or in other cases, you might have fired somebody or whatever, um, just be aware. If, if for what, like Again, the example of the employee who's a long-term employee who does something that's really crazy, violates some kind of harassment policy or whatever. If, you know, this employee is a 20-year employee or 10-year employee or whatever, and you say, well, in this instance, we're going to just, you know, give them a verbal warning or we're going to suspend them for a day or we're going to just, you know, whatever it is. Uh, we're going to, uh, a minor um, disciplinary action of whatever sort. Well, that's now how we have to handle it moving forward. Um, especially in situations where you have people in protected classes who get involved. If you handle it for a person who's not a protected class in this instance, and then you change your mind in, in six months or six years or six weeks or whatever, and you do it differently the next time, and that person's in a protected class, you're really going to be in trouble. Like you really have to be aware of, assume that it's always going to be somebody in a protected class as you're, as you're facing the situations and like, okay, what am I going to do next time? If this is a person in a protected class, that I, we haven't even hired yet. Like my example was always pretend this happened 18 months from now. We haven't even hired this person yet, but we know they're a protected class, whichever one, it doesn't matter. Um, how would we handle it then? And that's pretty much how we should handle it today because that's going to be the precedent we need to set is that we would handle it the same way. Um, so that's kind of my, my methodology for going through um, situations that come up. Undoubtedly, they're going to come up. If you have employees, you're going to have problems. It's just the way it's just the way it goes when you have employees. Um, they're not always going to be fun. Sometimes they're really stressful. Sometimes we underestimate how how big of a deal these things are, and sometimes we overestimate how big of a deal these things are. So for me, it it helps just to have kind of this three step approach. What's the law? What's the what's the policy? What's the precedent? If there is no policy, let's make a note, and next year when we roll out our new employee handbook, let's make sure this thing is covered. So. Um, I hope that helps as you encounter these things. You know, we kind of have the, the things that we don't know about yet that we need to get in front of, which again is where I say the first thing to do is, is uh, get a hold of your insurance broker and see if you have employment practices insurance. If you don't get it, the next thing to do to kind of uh, get out in front of things that haven't happened yet, but certainly will, is to establish a relationship with an attorney, whether it's a regular business attorney or labor attorney or both. Uh, you'll want to decide that depending on how likely you think it is you're going to have problems. Again, insurancejournal.com says one in eight will be sued by their employees each year. If you're in business for eight years, do the math. Um, 
that <laughs> the likelihood we're all going to avoid that for more than eight years is pretty slim, right? So this is something we're all going to face. Uh, if we're in business for any, any significant amount of time, it's something that's going to happen. Um, and if it doesn't, hooray, we'll celebrate that. But um, we need to prepare for the worst and hope for the best, right? So employment practices insurance, establish a relationship with an attorney that can help you get out in front of things that haven't happened yet. And then when if you are facing a situation, the three things to ask are, what's the law? What's the policy? And what's the precedent? So that's it for this week. Um, please feel free to share this podcast with a friend or colleague who's a business owner in a service industry. Um, our, our audience is growing. That's fantastic. We're in over half of the States in the U S now. That's awesome. And we're in our 10 countries across the globe. We have a pretty big following in Germany and Australia. So that's pretty awesome. Shout out to all you folks in Germany and Australia listening. Sure. Appreciate it. Um, and give us a rating and review. If you have a, a couple minutes, you can spare a minute to, uh, just click on the button that says five stars and leave us a review. That would be fantastic. That's a big piece of how audience, uh, podcast audience are grown is by that, uh, uh, rate and review and all that good stuff and share this with a friend uh, especially this episode in particular of all the things that we have facing us in business um, hr law is probably our greatest liability um, and it's probably the one that we pay least attention to oftentimes this is something we delegate to a an, an employee who may or may not have the skills to do it so in this particular episode uh, especially uh, help help out a friend who owns a business and pass this episode along to him so that's it for this week, and I'll see you all next week.